Welcome into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Taylor Dillon here with y'all as always. And it's time for some Sunday mailbag time again. I think all y'all that sent in questions via email, lacrossebucket at gmail.com or via Twitter DM at lacrossebucket is the podcast and the sites at Tanner underscore Dimling is my personal one. Send them to either at lacrossebucket is also the Instagram. We get a lot of questions through the Instagram DMs. Actually probably get more on IG than Twitter. Have had a couple. I uh, had a lot more email ones this week than usual. Not sure what that one that what that's all about. But anyway, let's get into these questions. Now this first one, and then this is interesting. And I get people that ask this a lot after I write something. Um, first question reads: Tanner, I read your Villanova preview on the site the other day. I am wondering how much of a chance do you give the Wildcats to beat one or both of Denver and Georgetown or win the Big East? Now, if you haven't seen on uh, lacrossebucket.com, I did put up a, my Villanova preview. Virginia is coming out on Monday. Uh, so Villanova went up on Friday. And, you know, the title that I titled it was Villanova is the Big East Dark Horse once again. Because they are. They have been knocking on the door of the Big East title for years now. Um, they have not made a Big East title game since, I believe, 2014. 2013, 2014, they made made the Big East title game. Those are the only Big East title game appearances since the Big East started sponsoring lacrosse, which, if you remember, it was like the old Big East with Syracuse, and I believe Rutgers was in there as well, and Notre Dame might have been in there for a year. Um, <clears throat> and then I think it was after 2013, when Syracuse left for the ACC and, and all of that realignment happened and the Big East became what it is now, Villanova, Georgetown, St. John's, Providence, uh, Denver obviously is an affiliate in lacrosse. It became more of the the private Christian slash Catholic school uh, league that it is now after that realignment happened. So really since that realignment, and if I'm correct, that realignment happened after 2013, I believe. Um, so really, since that realignment, Villanova has not been in the Big East title game. They've made semifinal appearances um, almost every year. Yeah, so they've made semifinal appearances every single full season. Obviously, 2020, we didn't have a title uh, game or anything. Uh, so they've made semifinal appearances every year since that 2014 season when they actually made the title game. So Villanova's been knocking on the door, knocking on the door. Um, you know, they did make the uh, NCAA tournament in, 2013, in uh, 2018. Um, I believe they actually won the Big East that year because that was the year where you know, Denver, Georgetown, and Villanova all made it. 
Georgetown beat Denver in the title game. Villanova, I think, had won the regular season, actually. Um, and I'll get into that. We'll, we'll get back to this 2018 one uh, first in, in, in just a second because <clears throat> that is the last time that Villanova beat Denver was 2018. Or was it? Might have been 2019. Let's check here. Yeah, 2019. Okay, that's what it was. 2019, not 2018. Excuse me. Um, but I do believe they did beat them in 2018 as well. Well, it was a close game. Let's check this schedule here. So, okay. Okay, no, okay. Had my years mixed up. Had my years mixed up. Apologize for that one. Uh, Villanova beat Denver last in 2019. It was a 12-11 game. Um, and I, and I was in doing research for this podcast episode and looking at these questions, I went back and looked at like the last time that Villanova had beaten either Denver or Georgetown, since that was part of the question here. Um, and if you, and I had, I had completely forgotten about this in 2019, um, when Villanova beat Denver and obviously 2019 Denver does not make the NCAA tournament. Um, and they, they lose in the Big East Finals again to Georgetown, I believe uh, it was. And um, th- this is an odd stat here. So uh, Villanova, they beat Denver 12-11, to 11, that 2019 regular season game. They only won 7 of 24 face-offs. 7 of 24 I'm going to get my calculator out here. What's that percentage? And again, this is when, this is not the Trevor Baptiste era. Uh, Mind you, Trevor Baptiste graduated from Denver in 2018. So if if we're doing this math correctly, they only won like 2% of the face-offs around there, like 20%. That's, that's, That's awful. And they still won this game 12 to 11. Um, and, and I will say this. You know, Villanova still has that entire defense from that 2019 squad. Will Vitton, it was a freshman in goal. Patrick Kennedy, um, what would he have been? Because he was a redshirt senior last So he would have been a redshirt junior <clears throat> because he missed 2018 with that injury, I believe. Um Short stick defensive midfield unit, I think Villanova that they have now. Um, you know, they had TJ Camizio, but I think that unit probably overall might be a bit better now than it was back then. Um, and then when you look on the Denver side, you know, Denver has an entire offense that's completely different now. Obviously, um, I believe Jack Hanna was there and Ethan Walker uh, what is, is still there. But Alex Simmons, I don't think, was there. Um, Jackson Morrill and Lucas Cotler obviously were at Yale then. And then Alex Stathakis, uh, who's at the faceoff dot now for uh, Denver. You know, he had a stellar freshman year. He's going to have, an, uh, looks to have another strong year uh, here in 2021 with the Pioneers. And, yeah, like looking at this Denver, at this box score of this game, like Jack Hanna was there. 
You Austin French, Colton Jackson are both gone. Our like the whole the whole defense for for Denver is pretty much different. Um, but Villanova is is pretty similar. Uh, Corey McManus is still there. Obviously, Keegan Khan is is the big name on the offense here, and still is. Um, this this is just a it was just a weird game, and I remember it was like a. What was this? Was this a Saturday game? Okay, yeah, that was like a Saturday game. And I I remember watching this one on CBS, like, uh, recorded later that night and just being like, what, what, what is this? Um, so to your question, and I'm going to answer the Denver part first and the Georgetown one next. To your question, uh, can the Wildcats beat Den- beat Denver this year? I don't know, <clears throat> to be honest with you. I think definitely they have the talent. I think this defense should be much improved. I, I'm not that big of a believer in Denver's defense. I haven't really been in the past couple of years. Um, so I've got to see how they step up and, and, and what they look like first. But as far as Villanova, I like their offense. You know, I like their defense. The thing that 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 I'm drawing a blank on, or, the, or that I'm I'm not real confident in them that they can match up with this Denver team is at the faceoff dot because Alex Stathakis. I remember I watched this kid. You know, he played for Culver. They, they, they come down here to Louisville, Kentucky. They play Trinity High School in, what would that have been, 2019, 2018, uh, when he was a junior. And, I mean, yeah, well, it was 2018 when he was a, um, oh, no, last year was his freshman year, so it was in 2019. They come down here. He puts on a show. Just absolute show. Um, I don't think Trinity won a single face-off. I, I, I really don't. Um, and I've seen him multiple times since then. And every time in high school, and then I've watched most of his college games. And, you know, he wasn't a top five or top six guy this year. But he was he was pretty good as a freshman. and should be even better this year. So, you know, and... and, and Villanova, when you look at the face-off position, Justin uh, Coppola was the main guy last year, and he was a freshman. He went 67 for 152, which is around 44%. Dan Fisher was their backup last season, went 11 for 34. He was their primary guy. In 2018 and during that 2019 game, uh, 2019 season when they beat Denver. So, I, I, I'm not, I, I think Denver is certainly a class above the rest in, in, in the Big East. Um, I certainly think they're a class above Villanova. That's not to say that Villanova can't match up with Denver in certain aspects, because I think they certainly can. I think, I think. It, you know, in a vacuum, Villanova has a lot of players that I that, that that you really like, that you really love to watch play. But I don't know if they have that talent 
enough everywhere, especially at the face-off dot, to go um, to go kind of toe-to-toe with Denver and, and win. Um, now, as for the Georgetown side of this question, Villanova has not beaten Georgetown since 2017. They won 17-12. to Patrick Kennedy is literally the only player, only impact player, I should say, on this roster at Villanova that played any significant role in that game. That was his freshman year. Georgetown returns the nation's top defense. Um, McElroy was like the, was he lead the nation in save percentage or something like that? And then obviously a very solid offense with Jake Carraway um, being the stud that he is. And I think he showed a lot of people question coming into last year. No Dan Bucaro is Jake Carraway. Can he step up? Can he be the guy for this Georgetown team that he needs to be? Can he be the guy? Can he be that leader that we saw out of Dan Bucaro? Is the torch going to be passed effectively? Is kind of what a lot of people were asking. And while we didn't get to see Georgetown, and I've mentioned this before, Georgetown is a very good team. And I like them as a top 10-ish, right outside the top 10. Right now. Because we didn't get to see them against some of that elite competition last season. You know, they played, like, they played, what was it, Bellerman? They played, um, they might have played, oh, they were about to play UNC before the game, uh, before the season was cut short. They played Fairfield. I mean, they played some teams like that. So, and, you know, well, yes, each of those teams have some good players, um, yeah, they played Lafayette, UMBC, Fairfield, Mount St. Mary's was the best team they played. Uh, played Bellarmine, played a really bad Towson team, and and they 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 won all the games pretty handedly. And so I, I want to see them against this next level of competition before I draw any, before I crown them as like, you know, I. I I, I'm hesitant to say Georgetown's in that same class as Denver. I, I would definitely put Denver and Georgetown as the top two in this conference, no doubt about it. And I have no, 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 there's nothing else you can say about that. Villanova is a step down from both of those teams. But the fact of the matter is Georgetown did not play as good of competition as Villanova or Denver last season. Um, Denver, who is the best team they played last year? I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll pull up the roster, real, or the, uh, excuse me, the schedule real quick here. Uh, the best team that Denver played last year in lacrosse was, come on, load, load, load. Okay, they, yes, okay. They played Duke, they played Air Force, they played Carolina, they played Notre Dame. And Denver went 4-2, and and they have a lot of transfers in this year. 
that I think even makes that team better. And they were pretty pretty younger last year as well, I must say. So, you know, when you're looking at the Big East, I think it is Denver, Georgetown, Villanova. Um, can Villanova beat Denver or Georgetown? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think right now it is probably more possible that they beat Georgetown than it is Denver. Um, and I, I don't know really what to make of... So Georgetown, I mentioned they returned the best defense in the country. I'm not, I'm not putting... A lot of people that I've talked to aren't putting much vindication on that coming into the season because of who they played. And I think it would it would not be smart of me to say they're returning the best defense in the country statistically from last season. No way they beat them. But I do think there is a possibility. I think Villanova probably matches up better with Georgetown um, than they do with Denver um, at the faceoff dot. And I think that is what puts Denver ahead. Um in this kind of discussion. Now, can Villanova win the Big East? Um, no, I do not believe Villanova can win the Big East. I think they can, I think they will be able to maybe make the Big East title game because I do think they're a good team. I do, I do have them as the third best team in this conference and then Providence. And I think either Villanova or Providence could, you know, get hot near the end of the season, depending on what the schedule looks like. I think they could get hot near the end of the season, go into the Big East semifinals, and pull off an upset over what I would expect to be one of Denver or Georgetown. Now, if there's some upsets in the regular season, and I don't even know what the Big East um, playoff is going to look like, because you know the CAA, they're letting everybody play. And so I'm thinking there, the CAA is like nobody play. And you've got some teams, Hofstra, UMass, Drexel, Delaware, all your top four in that conference right now. Everyone's saying UMass is going to win the conference, but you put every team in, that is a, that's a recipe for Upsets, that's a recipe for a result that we didn't really think would happen. So before I say Villanova is going to win, the, it has a chance of winning the Big East, we got to look at it. If they continue this format that they have done, I don't think there's a chance they win it, but I think there's a chance they get to the title game. If we see more conferences, including the Big East, go to a different format because of COVID, because of the year that we're in, I think there might be a better chance for them to pull off an upset victory because of the structure of a tournament like the uh, your conference tournament. So that, that's the answer to that question. I know it's a little long-winded. Um, and it was kind of a three-part question, but that's the that's your answer to that question right there. Now, this next question, 
Okay, this this one comes from the from the Instagram DMs. It says, since you restarted the pod, I feel like you haven't mentioned two teams nearly enough: Penn State and Syracuse. What do you think of them this year? National title contenders. Um. So yeah, I talked about Penn State a little bit, and I've talked about Syracuse a little bit, but I think you're right. I haven't talked about them as much as maybe some people would have liked. Uh, too. I know I get a lot of Syracuse people that want me to talk about Syracuse. So, look, hey, I'm going to talk about Syracuse. Um, here's the thing. Right now, and I haven't put out my... I'm going to put out my kind of preseason rankings and, 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 and things like that, and it'll be out on this podcast is where I'll do it. It'll also be on the site. And uh, we're going to start putting these podcasts on YouTube as well. So you can go check those out over there, uh, the Lacrosse Bucket YouTube page uh, that I launched. Haven't really put anything on there yet, but we will start putting these podcasts on there. Uh, So all that will come out through those channels. And um, right now, you know, my top three are set, uh, at least my top two are set um, for preseason rankings in Duke and Syracuse. Where does Penn State rank in there in terms... So, before Penn State, Syracuse, I do think, is a title contender. Looking at Penn State, I think they're still a top-five team. No doubt about it. Um, Right now, I would put... And the thing with the Big Ten is, like, is it Maryland or Penn State? uh, Who's the best team in that conference? I think front to back, Maryland has more talent. But I think Penn State has some guys that are unproven that we could see step up and have big years. Um, I'm expecting a big year from Dylan Folds. He's coming back for a fifth season. Um, I want to see how Mac O'Keefe can kind of t- can kind of um, take the reins and, and, and be the man on that offense, I mean, as y'all know, you know they lose a a a, a generational type player, obviously the best player to ever come through the program, in Grant Amet. And so, and they do return Gerard Arcelli, but I think, and I've mentioned this before, the thing with Gerard Arcelli is, can he? And I know he's done well against T.D. Irwin in the past, and, reg- and he's done really well in the regular season. But I still think back to that game when they lost to Yale in the 2019 semis. 21-17. to Their defense was trash, and Gerardo Sey did not show up like we expected him to. Now, I think what is it, almost two years removed from that game? I think he can certainly, and he's shown before, he can certainly go toe-for-toe with a guy like T.D. Irland. But, and I do give Penn State the edge at the faceoff dot in the Big Ten as saying, like, look, they have the best faceoff man in the conference. Ohio State's by second with uh, Anasio. And then Maryland, I'm not really... um, I'm drawing a blank on who their face-off guy is, but I'd say they're third. So, in terms of the Big Ten, 
I put Penn State at the top, 1-2 with Maryland. And I've had you know, some people tell me it should be 1A Maryland, 1B Penn State until we know for sure that Jared Bernhardt's going to be back for Maryland. Um, as far as a national perspective, though, I put Penn State as a top five team, top six team. Um, and, you know, I think they will make – they are one of these six teams right now that I think has a legit shot of making championship weekend. I don't think Penn State's winning the title. I think that's going to be Syracuse or Duke. Um, and, you know, looking – but I do think Penn State certainly has a shot at getting to championship weekend. So don't think – so just because I said I don't have them as going the distance means I don't think they can make a, they can make a title or make the title game because I do think they can. I think Syracuse – and Syracuse defense is, I'm a little skeptical of what they can do um, because, you know, they do lose some good pieces there. Um, this old boy's name. Uh, you know, well, Black Kennedy's probably the best guy coming back. And uh, they do lose Nick Mellon. That's his name, Nick Mellon. Um, so, I mean, he was injured for most of the year last year. So I, I do question how good Syracuse's defense can be on a week-to-week basis against some of these top caliber teams, but their offense is is gonna be is gonna be as dangerous as it was last year. Um, Chase Scanlon, Jamie Tremboli, Stephen Rafis, Brendan Curry, Tucker Dordovic's back. I mean, this was the this was the most productive midfield unit in the country. I want to see some more of these attack guys step up. Chase Scanlon, obviously, is really good. Stephen Rafis has been good. But I want to see a guy like Griffin Cook, um, Owen Seabold, who, who's going to be that next guy to step up on the attack. Um, I believe Griffin Cook started at attack as a sophomore. Um, and Ch- Scanlon and Rafis were doing a lot of the work. Cook only had nine points, uh, five goals and four assists. So I do want to see that attack get more involved from a holistic approach. Um, but this midfield is, is, is really, really stellar. And I think the parallels between Syracuse and Penn State are pretty similar, where its offense is really, really good. Defense has some really great pieces, but I'm not sure how good they're going to be. And then at the faceoff dot, I do question Syracuse at the faceoff dot. And looking back here, who do they return there? They return. I'm trying to think, who was their faceoff man last year? Okay. Um, all right, Jacob Fop. So Jacob Fop was their backup, and Danny Varello was the main guy. They kind of, it was more of a one-two punch kind of situation other than a one and a and a two. It was more of a 1A, 1B. Uh, so Fop and Varello are pretty good. Um, if you're comparing Syracuse and Penn State side by side, I would give 
looking offensively, I would probably give that nod to Syracuse just because they're not losing a generational-type player. Um, When you're looking at defense, I would probably give that nod just a slight edge to Penn State. They return Nick Cardio. They return um, Colby Kinesen Cage. And even though Drake Porter does return for Syracuse, I haven't mentioned that. Um, and he, I think he's probably a uh, top three goalie in the country, uh, if not you know, top five at least. And then at the faceoff dot, I'd give the edge to Penn State. Um, but, and so I, I give a little more edges to Penn State there, but I do think holistically the experience factor that you look at Syracuse with how many fifth-year guys they return compared to and so Penn State returns a lot of fifth-year guys. They both do. Uh, but in terms of what they've done in the past and how much they've had to carry, I do think uh, Syracuse probably gets the edge over Penn State if they were to face head-to-head, which would be a really, really good game, by the way. Now, I know there was a lot of uh, rambling there, kind of back and forth between Penn State and Syracuse with the answer to that question. Um but we move on now to the third question here. I um, hope you made sense of all of that, by the way. Um, moving on to the third question here. It says, Tanner, in your signing day primer, you mentioned that Colgate and Lehigh had the two best mid-major classes. Obviously, this is for the 2021 class, by the way. Um, continues, I understand programs like Lehigh recruit well, just like a Loyola or a Towson. But I'm curious as to what your take on Colgate's state of recruiting is. And is their success in the 2021 class classes a point to look at for future success? What do you make of the 2022 class thus far? So Colgate, um, they've not been a stellar program by any stretch of the mind. Um, They have three NCAA tournament appearances. 2008, 2012, and 2015, have one Twelaton winner, Peter Baum. And then last season, I was meeting in 2019, they went 4-9 and nine despite um, that big, big upset win to start the season against Syracuse. Last year, they went 0-6, and they had the 11th best strength of schedule in the country, um, they played Carolina, Syracuse, Princeton, Hobart. All of those were pretty much blowouts. They played close games, lost to Boston U by one, lost to Navy by two. They lose a lot of good players from this from last year's team. Griffin Brown, Nikki Petkovic, uh, a lot of really good players from that team. Those Obviously, the most, um, the highest, well-known, most well-known players from that last year's team. Um, I do think, so I want to preface this by saying, I think Matt Carwick's done a good job there. And um, in my Colgate preview, um, I believe the headline I used for that was, let me pull that up real quick. The headline I used for that was, Despite solid offensive foundation, Colgate remains a work in progress heading into third year under Carwick. And I think that's that's pretty true. 
Um, the offense is pretty solid and has been pretty solid for for a while now. Um, you know, they've had some good defensive players, um, but and I think the foundation is in place for growth at Colgate. Um, I don't think it'll be this year or next year that we see this growth. But, but I do agree to the point that maybe getting some of these, um, getting some better players in these past two classes, not that they haven't had good players in the past. I mean, they had a Tualatin winner. Um, but not that they've gotten, now they've gotten some of these guys um, in. And then when they get this 2021 class in, I think, yeah, we definitely could see Colgate uh, have success in the future, I think. You know, when you look at the Patriot League, it's Army, Lehigh, and Loyola are always your top three. Navy, I think, is rising pretty quickly. Uh, Boston U has uh, some, has some. you know, they're kind of a consistent mid-tier team. Holy Cross has been decent over the past few years. Bucknell has had some good years. Um Colgate and Lafayette have kind of remained at the bottom of the conference over the past couple of seasons, at least. Um, not, I mean, they have Colgate's gotten to the top of the conference before. Um, Lafayette hasn't really moved up or down the ladder too, too much. Um, but I think that's kind of what Colgate is. is they're, they're one of the bottom two teams in the Patriot League. And, um, you know, is that going to change anytime soon? It might. I, I, I don't know. Um, is the success in recruiting a you no know, cause or a point to a point that people should take as um, optimism? I, I I would be hesitant to call, to be optimistic about having some good recruiting classes. I definitely think it's good for this program. I think this program definitely has a higher ceiling than what we usually see for them. Um, and in their 2018 year, which was the last year with Mike Murphy, they went seven and eight and they, did they make the NCAA tournament that year? I believe they did. Yeah, they did. Oh, no, they did not. 2015 is the last year they made it. Um, 2018 is that year that they played Syracuse, um, in May for some reason, um, Threw me off there real quick. Um, so this is a team, they've had success. I mean, they beat Cornell in 2018. And that's the year that Cornell went to the NCAA quarterfinals. So, you know, they've had success. They've beaten Army in the past. They've played tight games against Loyola. Uh, you know, tight-ish games against Lehigh. Um... So, you know, we'll see how they progress in the conference, especially with these two good classes. Um, but I do think they can rise. I'd be optimistic to put all my eggs in one basket and say, look at these two recruiting classes. They're really good. This team is going to be, you know, contending for Patriot League titles in as soon as 2022. I don't think that's the case necessarily. Um, it's a possibility, I guess you could say. Um, surely any, anything is possible, right? Um, but we'll see. 
Uh, we'll see how th- how things turn out there. As far as the 2022 class, those two guys I want to point to that I, I, I'm I, I'm big fans of in this class. Um, one is Wiley Bryant. He's a two. He actually just committed the other day. He's a two a two a midfielder out of Bellevue, Washington. Um, and we know how they've done with some players from the Pacific Northwest in the past. Uh, Peter Baum was from the Pacific Northwest. Um, so, you know, that aside, he's a great player. And you watch him on film, um, he's impressive on both ends. Um, he, he's a you know, great athlete. He's got speed. Um, I think there's – I definitely, from just watching his film, his highlights, and I've watched like 10 of his highlights from the summer – um, because there's like multiple out there on YouTube. Um, no, he you no know, has the speed, has the athleticism. Um, he's pretty physical on the defensive end. Uh, I think he's probably projects better as an SSD, as a short stick defensive midfielder. Um, Wiley Bryant does, but certainly a, a good player that Colgate's getting there. Uh, but he's. The highest in terms of like inside lacrosse does the evaluations um, of kids. I think he's like he. They don't have anyone in this 2022 class that's like a a, a star of anything. It's like a three star force. They don't have any of those yet. And I know inside lacrosse hasn't put out as many like five stars, four stars this cycle because of COVID and not being able to really see guys in person. Um, but you know, good player. I think he's the if you but when you look at the evaluations, I think he's the highest rated guy they have. Um, and then another guy that I really like is uh, Miller Marks out of Austin, Texas, out of Austin High School down there. Um, you know, in you know, Austin, Austin High School, I'll say this: they got two really good guys this in in this twenty twenty two class. Zach Mercado is going to Syracuse. Miller Marks is going to Colgate. Um, this is a kid, he's like he's like 6'2, 185, something like that. So he's a pretty big kid. Um, you know, he plays both ways from what I've seen on film. I don't know exactly how much he plays both ways in high school. Um, but from what I've seen, you know, really strong, kind of tr- you more of your traditional like downhill righty dodger. Um, he's got a strong shot, big kid, pretty athletic. Um, so no, Colgate, I think this 2022 class is pretty pretty solid. They have two uh, you know, solid defensemen in this commits in this class. Uh, Riley, Bel- uh, Riley uh, Belilo out of Massaquan in New Jersey, I believe. And then William Rose out of Seton Hall Prep, which is in New Jersey as well. Um, I haven't really looked at some of these other guys in this class yet. Uh, but I do like Bryant. I do like Marks. And then those two defensemen that um, I mentioned are pretty solid players as well. So Colgate, you know, they're growing. It's going to take time to grow and develop under Matt Carwick, just like anything. But um, I do think they're going in an upward trajectory. Uh, is recruiting success necessarily something to say, to point to and say, look, 
we're about to rise. You know, the cream's gonna rise to the top sooner than later. I I I I would be hesitant to say that, but I do think this this program is going up under Matt Carwick, and certainly the recruiting rankings, if they hold, you know, could be a uh, a precursor to uh, what is to come there at Colgate. But I'll say it again. I would say that with caution. As always, thank you all for tuning in on this Sunday mailbag edition of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. As I mentioned uh, off the top, you can send in your mailbag questions via DM on Twitter at Lacrosse Bucket or at Tanner underscore Dimling. Email us lacrossebucket at gmail.com. You can find us lacrossebucket.com is the website. You can listen to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, or Apple is iTunes, so iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can get your podcast. Believe we are there. Don't forget, if you have an iPhone on the Apple uh, podcast app, to subscribe, leave a five-star review. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the week, or I guess next week as it is Sunday. Again, thank you all for listening.